0: the Omega Particle. It's OPP. You know me. Yes, I am your host, Jonathan Wiegand, the guiding light for the Star Trek universe in this troubled time. Welcome to the Omega Particle. And yes, we are broadcasting today again on the eastern coast of these United States in my Trek recording bunker, or as I like to call it, my garage. Today, I'm really excited about this episode. It's one of my personal favorite hobbies to just read about and learn about. I got hooked on in college. And no, we're not talking about Mario Kart. We're talking about economics. And this has been one of the subjects I've had on my bucket list to cover ever since I started this podcast this past February. So I'm excited to dive deep into the economics of the Federation As for now, this will just be a a one episode into the Federation. I've thought about making more episodes on maybe like the Klingons or the Ferengi or things like that. But I don't know if it takes off. We'll uh, possibly do that. Who knows? But for now, I'm just going to enjoy the Federation because I was uh, actually having this Google Hangouts with some lifelong friends from college. And one of the big Trek fans there was actually like, man, I'm excited for this subject. It seems really cool. He had questions about like, does the Federation use money? What about scarcity in the Federation? And, oh man, hold on to your hats—we're going to cover all of that, my friends. This will be very in-depth economic talk. So if you're not used to that, um, I'm trying to cover and make it layman's terms as possible. It's really not that complex. It's just covering super big questions like, how do people work and and do those kind of crappy jobs that no one wants to do in the Federation if you don't have to work and how is society evolved to the point where um, they don't have to have money or resources or have any scarcity issues that normally drive economies. So uh, we're going to cover all of that today. I'm excited to do so. And just remember, you can always reach us at Megaparticle podcast on Instagram and, and at Megaparticle underscore on Twitter. Um, Again, thank you so much for following and just keeping up with the podcast means a lot. Yeah, let's get into the economics of the Federation. So before I really dive deep into the economics of the Federation, one of the ways I can help you is just give you an, a kind of a, an insight into my economic mind. And they've definitely been shaped by people like Frederick Hayek Dylan Freeman, Thomas Sowell, definitely read some Pikey to be as well-rounded as possible. And those to me are some of the great economic minds of the 20th century and the 21st century. However, now we're moving on to the 24th century. (laughs) And it's a little change of pace than what we're normally used to here at OPP, but I'm excited to cover it. And thank you for coming along for the ride. So basic economics states that We live in a world of limited resources, so that creates something called scarcity, that there's only so many limited things out there, pretty much, that we have to dictate how they're spent, and we do that now through currency and money, and that is one of the ways that economies are built. How do we deal with this scarcity problem, and scarcity issues? And there's several we've covered on Earth, such as capitalistic free market to socialism and Marxism to mixture of capitalistic socialists in Europe that's hot right now. Don't worry, we're not going to get super political or dive deep into that or which is better or which is worse or anything like that. We're going to keep it strictly in the 24th century, baby. And we're not going to dive into the things that plague our Facebook feeds and our Twitter feeds and news, news, news. This is, um, for me personally, I use Star Trek is an escape. And that's what it's going to be today as well. Today, we'll be covering Just going to lay it out for some, and I mentioned in the intro a little bit, kind of how does money work in the Federation? How are goods and services provided for? How do they deal with scarcity? Do they even trade? Why do they trade? How do they trade? And what's the philosophy of their economic system? Like what drives it? What's going to get people to go to work? And those are simple questions we answer of our own economies today, but it's a little bit different when you have limitless resources like um, they do in the Federation in the 24th century. So today we're going to cover some clips from a famous TNG episode and Star Trek First Contact where Picard is describing life in the 21st century, how they have no need for money, how humans have evolved out of that, and how we're better for it. Kind of just get a foundation first and foremost from Captain himself. So let's play that and um, I'm going to play him back to back and we'll cover it from there. That's what all this is about. A lot has changed in the past 300 years. People are no longer obsessed with the accumulation of things. We have eliminated hunger, want, the need for possessions. We've grown out of our infancy. You've got it all wrong. It has never been about possessions. It's about power. Power to do what? To control your life, your destiny that kind of control is an illusion. The economics of the future is somewhat different. You see, money doesn't exist in the 24th century. No money? You mean you don't get paid? The acquisition of wealth is no longer the driving force in our lives. We work to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. So now we see the earth is beyond money. It's beyond those typical resources of climbing that corporate ladder and and stepping on each other's necks and that humanity has evolved. And I really hope we can get there one day, that'd be great. But for now, the earth is living in a post-scarcity economy. So pretty much meaning we have no scarcity anymore. Because with replicator technology and technological advancements, no one is in need of any material thing. We can just replicate it and we can create it. And there's a lot of rumors out there and and kind of conspiracy theories about the Federation and their economy and how it functions and how it works. Is it just what we have today, but some more razzle dazzle? In the next segment, we're just going to cover the facts, what we know for sure through multiple resources and multiple examples through the shows and the movies of what is actually in the Federation and exactly how they operate their economy. So first off, we know that the Federation is clearly not a centralized planned economy. Best way to describe it, it's not a Marxist or communist society. And I know that some people say, well, that can be debated and that's, it is what it is. And maybe that's the end goal. But to me, it's um, the state Federation has no say in what you do for a living, what you do for a job is that individual freedom of choice is very obvious in the Federation. Um, I mean, everyone and their brother always has some nostalgic, teary eyed story about why they wanted to join Starfleet and, and go into the stars and explore and search out their humanity. And so there's multiple, multiple examples of that. So the Federation isn't mandating certain professions on people. It's allowing freedom of choice. Just to name a few, like Bashir, he wanted to be a doctor and not a famous tennis player. And Wesley dropped out of Starfleet Academy, and Cassidy Gates wanted to be a cargo ship captain. So it's there's a wide variety over gender, over sex, that kind of lets anybody do whatever they want. And I think that's the ideal in a perfect world, is that individual choice and freedom reign supreme in an economy. However, though, private ownership still exists. So that's why I say it was in a full centralized economy because you still have some private ownership. And of course, some of the biggest examples of that is um, Cisco's Creole restaurant in New Orleans from DS9. And of course, the famous Chateau Picard that Captain John luc Picard owns in TNG and then the title show Picard. So private ownership still exists in the Federation and in the 24th century and also on just like a super basic level. You can see that in the trinkets and the little individuality people put in their quarters. If you go into wharfs, it's all Klingon. You go into Tom Pears, it's all 1950s and 60s. So it's there is some individuality, there is some expression of private ownership and private trinkets. So I definitely keeps it in there. I mean, even Crusher has that um, haunted mansion, quote unquote, because <laughs> gosh, the episode was so crazy on that old Scottish settlement planet. So there is still property rights in the Federation. So it's not completely centralized, like I said before. Also, though, the Federation is still not perfect and still uses kind of imminent domain on certain planets and subjects that it deems necessary. For example, that's how we got the Maquis. And that's how you get certain planets and territories that the Federation kind of uses as playing cards and leverages when they make treaties, especially with the Cardassians and DS9, where they gave away all of these Federation colonies to the Cardassians and aka how we got the Maquis. So the Federation still plays that 20th century trump card sometime. You say, well, how do you know that, Jonathan? How do you know it? private ownership and eminent domain and that the Federation has that kind of power to let the individual decide and, and let the individual have property rights is because the alternative to that the Federation isn't letting people like sublet or rent. Yeah. There's no reference to that at all. It's all about my land, my, this, my, that, I mean, even Kirk and star Trek generation says, Oh, this used to be my house. And I sold it years ago. So there's still some of that left. It's not a complete utopian communistic society, which if that's how we ended up in the 24th century, that's fine. Yeah. I want you to get all the facts and that's what it is, my friends. So, the answers come up next is, is the Federation even a truly post-scarcity society and post-scarcity economy? Because when you say post-scarcity, that means it's unlimited resources. And I know replicators and certain technology provide that. However, what's the limitations on that? What's the or are there limitations on that? Can somebody just get whatever they want? And, we're, and this is what led me to cover this subject because I want to know the answer to that. This is a good question. What are people allowed to do? What freedoms do they have? Is there any restrictions or reservations on energy use? Because that's the main currency, in my opinion, that we'll cover later is energy use and energy output. So just from everything I've researched and looked at, the Federation is still not a perfect post-scarcity. They still have issues. They still have um, famines and shortfalls and issues where people need medical supplies. I mean, how many TNG and original series episodes are there where some planet doesn't have medical supplies or some planet has food issues or terraforming problem? I mean, it's just, it's limitless. <laughs> like Bradley Cooper. No, um there's definitely going to have supply line issues. There's definitely going to be transportation problems, moving that much material and resources through a massive space of the Federation and of the Alpha Quadrant. So, so there's still some scarcity issues. I mean, because I mean, the Federation might have enough food and medical supplies on earth, but that's not everywhere. And so when they give those, and you get those episodes and it's like captain's log, We're going to the Andromeda system or something like that. And it's like, oh, they don't have medical supplies. So those supplies are coming from somewhere. So every every society and planet in the Federation isn't completely post-scarcity, but I would say Earth is pretty close to post-scarcity. So this is one of the most interesting aspects to me of why I wanted to do an episode like this is because what about jobs? Because you see all the time in in the background, you see people – doing landscaping or driving buses or or sometimes being like office admin assistant. So there are not these glamorous jobs. So I've always thought, why do people still go into work if they're not getting paid? Now, to me, that's crazy. <laughs> Before we get into the specifics of how do they get people to do jobs that our society in the 21st century doesn't Really, value. Let's get into the philosophy that we covered a little bit with those clips beforehand. And the big philosophy of the Federation is that it's based on self improvement and cultural enrichment. Those are the things that are valued. And to me, that's amazing that now society has gotten to a point where your reputation and your value you bring to your community is number one and how you determine wealth. Now that's a beautiful, awesome way to do things because it still satisfies that primal nature of wanting to compete, of wanting to do more and to build something. But in this way, you're building yourself and or building your community and uplifting those things, which when Roddenberry created this idea, which was awesome and a beautiful idea and beautiful concept to shoot for, that we can live in a society with no needs or wants materially and that we are, left with only ourselves and society to improve upon. I mean, just think like you could just have a million JK Rollings, or, uh, the advancements in science or technology or art could just be limitless at that point when you have a pl- complete majority of the population exploring those and enriching themselves. And that gets me back to something that I mentioned before. Wouldn't everybody just sit down and do nothing And I think that wouldn't be the case because you have to see what society values. I'm sure there are people, no matter what you do and in what society will always do nothing, but here you can still be super wealthy and super great and super respected by just being an artist or a podcaster. (laughs) Just kidding. So, I think that's a great thing to shoot for, but it still internalizes that competition. That instead of going out and competing against one another in a capitalistic society to climb that ladder, we're competing within ourselves, which not only advances oneself but also society as a whole. In my humble opinion, um, again, I'm not trying to be super political or going anything like that. We're just talking about the philosophy of, econ- of economics and the philosophy of labor. Wow, I never thought I'd say those two sentences. Speaking of labor and jobs, where now your reputation's most important. What about the money? What about that moolah? What about that sweet, sweet bread? And I ain't talking about cinnamon rolls, people. I'm talking about cold hard cash. Now, depends on what you read, but just in my research, the Federation, they just don't use it. They ain't got no money. They ain't got no Greenbacks, legal tender, whatever you want to call it, they don't got it, and they don't use it. And this is how I know it's a basic and absolute. Um, Kirk says it in Star Trek VI, Undiscovered Country. Picard says it multiple times. And even Quark mocks humanity to ROM that we don't use any currency. So, I mean, even on top of that, Roddenberry himself put it down as a rule when he first started Star Trek. So the Federation doesn't use money. And just based on those examples that I just listed, that's how I came to that conclusion. Now I think it's a great idea if you're going to create a perfect utopian society in the 24th century to just get away with money because then it gets all in the way of, well, that's why people want to be starship captains and and how does the federation pay for all this and et cetera, et cetera. It removes that from the equation and centers humanity once again, which I think is a good thing to be. However, this is a big, however, money still exists in the Federation and they even have banks in the Federation and they use it by something called a Federation credit. And I always thought credit was such a weird like sci-fi way to call money or legal tender like, oh, this is a credit. These are galactic credits. They're no good here. It's a different franchise, but you know what I mean. So there's Federation credits and we've seen them used a couple of times, especially in and TNG were a crusher. I mean, she bought some fabric at Farpoint Station. Um, DS9 even mentioned the bank of the Bullocks that were on a federation planet. So there are banks, there are currency being traded within the federation and there is that legal tender. And I think that's smart, um, especially when the, and I think the main purpose of that is when the federation trades with other societies out there that don't have that same philosophy or that same, Um, ideals as them, they can still have that shipment, have that trade go on. And usually, like they say, you never usually go to war with people you're really good trading partners with. So that's smart of the Federation to keep that intact. I mean, I can see why it's super confusing, like credits, but you don't have money. What is this? What is that? And Kirk even has a little slide of hand to Spock says, well, the Federation's invested $122,000 in, you so, I mean, people are aware of credits and that they're being used in the fe- in the Federation It's not some like secret high society type of thing. So everybody knows about it, but it's just I think it's more used for other societies that they interact with. In my opinion, I mean, there's still a class system in the Federation. You have admirals, you have presidents, you have colony leaders, you have Starfleet officers, you have Starfleet enlisted people. You have yeah, it's just a lot. There's a lot of different sociological aspects. We're not going to cover that here. We're just mainly dealing with economic and financial terms. But it is really interesting to see how it's humanity has evolved in this dream utopian scenario where, yeah, do you know what? We don't have to have resources, but we can still attain titles, things that fulfill us. As we were starting to kind of get to the end of this this isn't going to be an incredibly long episode, just covering the Federation. I didn't want to throw in the Klingons or the Ferengi. Cause I'm like, this may be really long and this is a very deep, heavy subject matter. So I don't want people to fall asleep, especially if you're driving. <laughs> but, um, so I'm going to do some thought exercises. That I was thinking, I was like, maybe let's I have some questions. Like for example, like practical things. Like, so if I go into Cisco's Creole restaurant in New Orleans and I walk in the door and I order some food and I eat it, do I pay? Do I pay? Now, I think, in my humble opinion, as the anchorman of the Federation, that you wouldn't pay. Because if you paid, that would be money, and that's something the Federation doesn't have internally. And then if you bartered, then it'd be a barter society and barter economics, and that's not necessarily true in the Federation. There's no reference or alleg. So you wouldn't pay. Because, again, it's based on reputation. So we're in this... You almost have to kind of think outside the box. So if Cisco's Creole restaurant was the best restaurant in New Orleans, he'd be a very wealthy man. That would be a very affluent place to eat. You would want to eat there, of course. And so instead of just doing exchange of money, you would be exchanging of the reputations, if that makes any sense. And, I mean, if you want to get really technical, I don't think you'd pay because Cisco doesn't pay – for his supplies and his suppliers don't pay for them. So no one's getting paid (laughs) in this whole process. If no one's getting paid and, and no one does anything and there's limitless resources with all this technology, so that means anybody can have anything. If I want 10 million starships, I can have it. And of course, no, there is a limit, there is a restriction on energy usage in the Federation. Now I think if it's a personal aspect and a personal need or want. I think that's a little bit different. They can satisfy one person like, oh, I need kitchen furniture because I don't have any or things like that I think are fine. But I mean, you just can't go to the shipyards and be like, I want 10 million ships and I want them now. So there, there are restrictions and we'll get into what I think is how the federation keeps this economy going and instead of cash in a physical legal tender. Energy usage is probably jewels even, you know, that um, unit of energy so this is now getting into like what more of my personal thoughts of the Federation and how society has evolved into the 21st century so it looks like we got to the Federation through a democratic capitalistic um, European socialist model that they expanded benefits to the point where no one needs anything so think about it this way if if there was a a way for the government to give you $10 million per person, then there would be no point on collecting resources because you could have as much as you want, as many as you want to a limit, to a point, but it would just be, you wouldn't even think about needs. You wouldn't even think about collection of material wealth. And in that way, and like I mentioned before, where it's all about artists and, Evolution of society and evolution of yourself, that would mean that, in my opinion, that the society would be massively productive and efficient, being because these people want to be at their current post. They want to do their job. They want to be good at their job. And they're not just going to be sitting there counting down the time till five o'clock. They have a passion for their work. Because if not, why be there? There's no point to be there. Kind of like our society now, where you have people play on their phones or just kill time talking with other coworkers so they can just pass the time because they don't really want to be there. So I don't think the Federation or the 24th century has that problem. And like I mentioned before, the amount of welfare benefits available to all the citizen is massively excess of the needs of of any one individual citizen. So that makes money irrelevant in the lives and whether it exists or not doesn't matter because you don't really need it because you have everything you need times ten. Also, resources are still accounted for and allocated and, and tracked and measured. But I just think it's done through energy output in those joules. So again, like if, if you just make nothing but 10 million starships, they'll probably cut you down and be like, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> you're wasting it. And we've seen this before at certain starships, especially Voyager, because you're trapped in the Delta Quadrant. So they're like, hey, we only have so much limited dilithium and so much power. So everyone's going to have rations on the replicator. So I think it would definitely be that way for the Federation instead of currency and money, it's energy. And I mean, no one's really going to be paying attention to that because the average person's not going to care if they, oh, what's my daily output or what's my daily energy? Is it still 2000 joules or 1 million joules compared to 1.1 million joules of yesterday? So no one's really going to matter about that. It's just, because again, all your cares or wants or need. And that's kind of having to break that mindset that we have when we think about the 24th century. So answering the big question that I really thought about today is why do people do crappy jobs in the Federation? Now we've seen this before. There's people that scrub bulkheads. There's people that do landscaping. There's people that do these kind of hard, manual, tough work that anybody in their right mind be like, why would you do that if you could just not, you know, be at home all day, why would you kill yourself or, or stress yourself to that point? And I think there's two options um, and two reasons why. Number one, that they do care so much about their energy output and energy rations that they want to increase that, whether it be a incremental amount, they still want to accumulate as much energy as possible, which in the 24th century, as we know from those clips and through, just watching the movies and the shows that a massive cultural philosophy has changed that the acclamation of wealth and excess of material things and excess is frowned upon. However, I think number two is the real reason why is that there is has been a massive societal pressure throughout the hundreds of years from the 21st to the 24th that changes the nobility of certain jobs. So for example, I know right now we're dealing with COVID. We're realizing how valuable these teachers are. We're realizing how valuable the stock shelf people are, the people that work at the grocery store, the people that um, drive trucks. And, And before, maybe two years ago, we were like, yeah, okay, whatever, like, is this a job? But now it's like, wow, you make society run. And there's a whole new appreciation for that. And this has happened because of COVID. And I think that's awesome. And I think we should do that not only with those positions, but with a lot of those public service positions that we don't normally think about. And I think that's what's changed in the 24th century. There's almost a nobility in it. Then kind of like how we think of doctors today, like, whoa, you're a doctor, you're really rich, or you do a lot of things. Like, Well, now they could be saying that about teachers. They could be saying that about artists. They could be saying that about librarians where it's like, wow, you stimulate children's minds all day or, or you take care of books and you take care of our most valuable resources and, and teaching the next generations or you help society run and by transporting cargo ships. And so there's never a negative in my just massive years of watching Star Trek, there's never a negative outlook on certain professions in the Federation. Everyone gets treated with respect from the enlistment to the officers in Starfleet. So it's across the board, I think that's why. I think there's definitely more. Just a noble cause for that. And I think that's a beautiful thing to shoot for. And I think that's what makes Star Trek so great, in my opinion, is that it provides us clear roadmaps to be like, wow, wouldn't this be awesome that we could do one day? No matter if you're a strict free market capitalist or you're a peace hippie love Marxist who just wants everybody to just be equal. I think it's... It's a beautiful thing to shoot for. And again, I'm not trying to get political. I'm just trying to talk about these basic questions about, hey, how do they have money and why do people do these crappy jobs in the Federation? It was a fun episode to explore on economics as we wrap up. But that has been the economics of the Federation. thank you so much for listening guys. I really appreciate it. And um, again, if you, I would love to talk with you guys, if you agreed or disagree with anything, anything I said today, I'd love to talk with you about it. So I love to debate and talk about the track anytime I can. Again, thank you for um, indulging me on this nerdy passion of mine. I love economics. So it was fun researching. And even my wife was like, do you know, this isn't like a super like sexy, juicy topic. And I was like, I know, but I like it. (laughs) And I, and if at the end of the day, if, I'm not enjoying doing this podcast and enjoying researching, then why am I here in the first place? So, again, thank you for um, indulging me and hanging out with me today. Yeah, I just want to say we did pick a winner and for our um, giveaway on Instagram. It was really exciting. I'll be sending Star Trek Catan to her soon. And I'm really excited to kind of get this rolling and hopefully we can have one of those giveaways. We hit a thousand on Twitter. And again, you can reach us at Omega Particle Podcast or on Twitter at Omega Particle underscore, or you can email me at Omega Particle Podcast at gmail.com. Hopefully, everyone's still following those guidelines. I know it's tough as it gets warmer out there, but hopefully, we can have this thing beat in the next few months and be done with it. And anyway, just always remember second start of the right, straight on till morning.